0: my guest on talk design today is sam dankett now sam is from the mornington peninsula of victoria and in particular a place called mount martha he has a real estate company which specializes in this better top end and better end experience homes for people and that is dankett real estate So, Sam, welcome to Talk Design. I'm so looking forward to chatting to you further, because we've just had a bit of a chat, further about real estate and experiences for people and how design affects people in their lives.
1: Thank you for having me, Adrian. It's an absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah, no, mate. I'm so excited about this. Real estate, you know, like whether you design it or sell it or whatever, there's intrinsic value that sits in it. And it's really important to look at that. Even if you're not, I say to clients often, even if you're not doing this for an investment opportunity as such, then what you're doing is is how you're adding value to your life. So you might not be looking for a return on dollars spent and all the rest because you might be holding it so long or you might be building a legacy property that you're going to tie up and keep in the family for generations. With that, it's actually about how real estate returns value to you as a human being and how it supports your life and makes your life a better thing, not just in the financial sense, but in the living sense. And we all know it's a good investment. so that, That's a given, but we're not, I don't need to go there so much. Tell us about how you got into real estate, because obviously you uh, had a few choices about what you were going to do in life and so- somehow you landed in the uh, real estate business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was just um, a case of stars aligning for me. I'd attended boarding school and um, yeah, I had very average grades at school and I was a little bit lacking direction. Mm -hmm. I formed a really good network of friends and had vague ideas on what I wanted to do uh, upon leaving school. And I got accepted to do business management at Sunshine Coast University, but I didn't really have Strong conviction to follow through with that. So, um, my parents made it really clear to me that <laughs> that was the end of the road in terms of their support. But, yeah, but that the thing.
0: financing was over. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, account closed. So yep. it was up to me to actually get some money behind me. And so for that year, my focus was really on just getting a job, trying to get some money so that then I could go to university. Yeah, and you know I tried for a good couple of months to get a job and just kept getting rejected um, until I actually got a job working for a direct sales company uh, selling a- AAPT smart chat uh, oh, yeah. phone plans door to door.
0: Yep, door to door. I'm not
1: actually sure yeah, if it was a legal employment arrangement because it was commission only and it yep. was $30 per sale. Um, and you'd start at 10 a.m. in the morning, do all the door knocking, probably knock on about 150 doors, note people that aren't home and then return back at sort of 6 o'clock and have a few more conversations and that's when the sales would happen. But, um, yeah, you know, on a good day you probably make five or six sales.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, but 150 bucks. <laughs> yeah, big money. Oh, yeah, and... knocking it out of the park. Yeah, just through that, um, I met a, a gentleman who was in real estate and he um, took took time to have a chat to me and he said, look, what you're doing now, um, you're developing some really good foundations in sales, but have you considered actually getting into real estate because what you're doing is quite transferable uh, but the commissions are quite a bit more substantial and it was literally like from out of nowhere, a door just opened and I just jumped at it. I took a, a role as an assistant. Yep. And it was a huge step up in terms of remuneration. I was earning 20,000 as a salary. Uh, yeah. Per, wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was simply, you know, developing relationships in a core area and generating appraisals for my lead agent. And, That's uh, it-
0: so tell me about doing door-to-door. And I will tell you this, I have done door-to-door sales okay. and um, I, I'd love the parallels because it's uh it's an interesting thing to do it. I didn't do tons of door-to-door. I did more appointments, but pretty cold appointment lines, you know? Um, and then sometimes I would do door-to-door as well. And my good friend, um, Alan Pease, the world's expert on body language. um, He did door-to-door. That's where Alan started. He, that's, that's where he came from.
1: Um, I'm a big and, fan and of the Alan's insurance, person, Yeah, of, right. And, and,
0: yeah. I've got to get on the podcast. Body oh yeah. He's, he's such a great guy, Alan. Um, and he t- keeps saying to me, yeah, come, come to my place and we'll record. But he only lives up the road from me. So it's just something I've got to do. But yes, Door to door is it's a gig, it's a hard gig, and I mean you probably also listened to Zig Ziglar um, somewhere in your training thing, and Zig's again a door to door salesman, and you learn a lot about people and human behaviour.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What was the product that you were selling? I'm curious.
0: uh, In the uh, GFC. So when the GFC was on, I was, um, we ran out of work. I actually went to England, of, of all places, um, and worked for Airbus. And before I, before I did, no, when, after I'd done that, when I did that, I went and worked um, doing innovation training for Airbus and, uh, and other companies. And so I was training them in um, unsolvable problems. So how to solve unsolvable problems. So highly technical, but using a systematic innovation process. And I did that there and multiple other companies that I worked with as well doing it. And I wanted to set it up as a um with with the another person as a global thing to do this. And anyway, that didn't really work out. We had a different set of values, and um I had a value around that we had to sell it and my business partner in there had a value around she wanted to give it away and uh I was like well I can't make a living to feed my wife and kids so I'll give it away so I need to do it the other way so I came back to Australia I still had a few projects I was flying backwards and forwards um when I could I still had a few projects here in Australia and there was just no landscape of anybody doing anything and I wasn't well known enough and you know da 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 and um so I went, okay, well, I've got these projects. I can look after them and I can look for other ones. And a friend of mine said, he said, I've got um, the sales team doing solar. And would you be interested in just coming in doing three days a week with us? And so I did from Gladstone to wherever, to down to here, um, all over the place. And uh, there was a group of about four of us that would go, And we would go and just target an area. So I'd ended up doing sometimes five days or six days or seven days a week. But then I'd have time to do my other stuff on the side. Um, And yeah, it was a great learn, a great learn. And there was very little sales training. uh, Mm -hmm. But years before that, I had been involved in, um, in Amway. Like years and years before, I'd been, a friend of mine had, we'd met this a friend of mine. I bumped into him at a seminar, which was a Wayne Dyer seminar. And um, I'd gone along to see Wayne Dyer and here's this guy and he's there. And like, he'd been, a, would met him overseas years before he was there and chat, chat, chat. And he said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an Amway distributor now. And I'm like, Oh, what's that? And he told me, and he says, would you join me in it? And I'm like, Oh yeah, let's have a look. And so I, kind of worked my way up to what they call a direct level in and, and Amway. And then I went, you know what, as much as uh, it's a sales role and all the rest, I wanted to use my design skills far more than that. And I was designing as well. So I was designing women's swimwear in those days. And so anyway, I, the sales training I really got was from Amway. And, you know, people all often say, it's your greatest training in the world completely agree and i think reality is
1: if you're in business even you know as an employee you are in sales oh hey if you're married you've been in sales 100 <laughs> percent, exactly so yeah. you know in that role it was a matter of you know facing that and being you know really honing a craft and being really good at developing rapport quickly um earning people's trust and yeah, early days for me, my survival depended on it. I had to pay the rent. And yeah, fortunately, that set a really good foundation for me to segue into real estate yeah. and build you know a really good network, um, some incredible relationships. Um, some of my best listings have actually come from just knocking on people's doors. I work in a space where um, real estate agents have a million different things coming at them and you know, a lot of the prospecting is just whatever's automated, you know, yes. sending out yes. letterbox flyers, getting telemarketers to call. Um, so I don't have a lot of competitors in my space that will just go and knock on a door if they've got someone that's genuinely looking to buy in a particular area. Yeah. Um, but you you're know, used to
0: no- knocking on a door.
1: <laughs> no. So I've got no yeah. issues with just yeah, introducing myself and seeing if, the owner of the property is open to selling off market and
0: I've had some incredible results just by being a little bit more proactive. And also um, having the rapport skills and the genuineness, the, you know, the authenticity. Um,
2: and, I think you know, people
0: can read that pretty, Oh, They sense it. They sense quickly, it. Yeah. yeah. Especially also like you're in a, you know, Mount Martha isn't a huge place Um if you, you know, if you burn your reputation there, you've burnt it, it's gone,
1: you know. Absolutely. Yeah. You're spot on. It's definitely a village community um, where word of mouth is still the most powerful form of advertising.
0: Yeah. So tell me, so you got into that and I love the, that whole, tell me a little bit about knocking on doors and things that you learned from that, you know, being chased off by dogs or whatever. We need I need a story that makes me laugh on this one. You must oh, have more than a few. So I've got
1: the perfect story. Yeah. I was door knocking in Malvern and majority of my childhood I was um, living up in Queensland. yep So I wasn't familiar with the suburbs down here. Like I was calling Paran Prahan and Isn't that Malvern, Malvern. <laughs> Malvern Until my and grandparents said you hated me. So yeah. This one day I was door knocking in Melbourne and this is a pretty affluent suburb of Melbourne where you've got mansions and they've got big high front gates and intercom systems, so really challenging area to say try to door be, knock, yeah. Door well, you can't actually get to the door unless you scale these big high fences, which I wasn't prepared to do. So, yeah, I was getting a lot of rejection through intercom systems and I found this double-fronted Edwardian beautiful place, really nice front cottage gardens and the the front gate opened. And so I went to approach, knock on the door and then from the side of the house, this massive Irish wolfhound started approaching me and they're they're big dogs. It was like (laughs) a Shetland pony size. Unfortunately, it didn't attack, but yeah, it gave me a massive scare. And the owner was, was lovely, and I managed to make a sale there. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was probably my only sale in Melbourne
0: that day. Yeah, it's, a, it's so. Uh, there's so many stories where yeah, just stuff. I, I know some of them where they would invite you into the home, and you're going, Oh, I don't want to go in there. <laughs> I don't, I know, a how lot I, of I don't know how I get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't we just sit out here? <laughs>
1: It's all character building,
0: though. <laughs> it's growth. It's all growth. Absolutely. You know, and obviously, within your real estate training as well, um, and working as an assistant, you got plenty of growth. And I would I imagine you came across quite a bit of self development as well, um, and mindset growth, which is really important. Absolutely.
1: It's such a brilliant industry in that you granted so much freedom as a real estate agent. You can really pick and choose, you know, what you want to do um, in terms of finding business, in terms of how you want to structure your day. Um, the, the key thing is really the bottom line and producing results.
0: Gotcha. And
1: yeah, I really just thrived on that. Yeah. Um, I developed some really good systems early on, just designed, you know, an ideal week and, I uh, was really rigorous in just following that, I love that. and, you know, yeah. making myself accountable for my time and doing dollar productive
0: tasks. Yeah. And uh, That's yeah. a really good term, a dollar productive task. Like yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It just brings
1: back to, you know, a conscious level, um, you know, is what I'm doing actually leading me towards a result or not? Yeah, um, Because, yep. you know, like all of us it's really easy to be busy and not actually produce anything
0: mhm mhm busyness um, busyness gives us a sense of worthiness but it robs us of our actual goal
1: absolutely that's very profound
0: it, it yeah. really does like just busyness is it's the it's like that thing you know the the enemy of the best is the good absolutely and I, I love that saying like yeah. you know like the good, yeah, that's the enemy of the best because you you will not you won't strive for the best if you'll settle for the good, and yeah, don't settle. And the same with that dollar productive task. I love that. I think it's like I'm gonna in, import that into my team meetings at the Fantastic. office at the studio. So, what are our dollar productive tasks this week? So, it's going to be my new terminology. It's written on my pad already excellent <laughs> so, yeah so I
1: guess um,
0: you know with the the
1: industry that I'm in um, you know it is so important to stay really focused on on what you're doing day to day and yeah I still implement all of those things that I learned early on um, door-to-door sales
0: yeah. Yeah, well, door-to-door sales is a daunting thing so having the uh, the wherewithal to to stand up and go and do it just speaks to who your character is for starters and that is like you know if your backs to the wall you'll do what it takes but with bit living in Mount Martha I'm going to add with integrity because you can't survive if you don't you'd be run out of town right. it's like living in the bush if you live in the bush here in Australia, for people in America, if you live in the bush, and when we say the bush, it just means the outback or not the not the actual bush, but if you live in a farming community or something, you will not survive a town or a multitude of towns if you do the wrong thing. I know I've done projects in the bush, and one of my joys is working with people from the bush because they'll take you for what you say you'll do, and they they expect it, and they're just as they just genuine with how they behave. But you do it you do it wrong to them, and you you'll see your leads dry up or your yeah it just stops because they the, the t- bush telegraph as they say in Australia especially, um, the bush telegraph's a real thing. It's very very strong. Oh, absolutely. I mean, on my
1: mother's side of the family, um, we had sheep. Uh, farms out in the Western District. And, yep. you know, I've always grown up with those really um, just basic fundamentals of, you know, integrity, honesty, mm. your word is your bond. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely put me in good stead for the business that I run
0: today. Yeah, my best in, friend. In this small community. Yes, yeah. My best friend always has said, uh, like, one line that i he's got a couple of lines that I really love. One of them is... Um, You've only got one good name. Very profound. It is, I right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that. I always go, I say it to my kids. I use it a lot. You've only got one good name. Don't not use it. Just use that good name. You keep it as a good name. Keep it as a good name. Protect it. So tell me about with real estate, about in your journey of it, um, the unraveling and the learning of, what makes um, a home because they're all houses what makes it a home and how does that bring value to the people that live in them yeah, what are you really looking good. for what are your little you know your edgy pieces what are you looking for
1: yeah I guess Um, you know we, we're definitely seeing with our marketplace here the buyers are becoming a lot more sophisticated we're seeing a lot of migration out of melbourne um, people just opting for you know better quality of lifestyle more space Um, and you know by virtue of that the answer to those questions is really evolving in our our market we are definitely seeing um you know properties that are really well designed in that you know they've had an architect involved to resolve a, a really good quality functional plan um that integrates well for the outdoor living that then connects well to the gardens um, there's a, a real premium uh, that buyers are willing to pay for that type of property for well and designed yeah. yeah and you know it really does resonate um with the buyers that are coming from affluent suburbs of melbourne when, you know, they can identify those qualities in a property. Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess, you know, the, the feeling um, does become quite tangible when you've got all those elements and yeah. you can see in the reaction with buyers um, when they go through a property like that, just how they respond and, you know, the time they spent taking it all in, um, it definitely measure it. it it definitely makes a big difference
0: in in the sale outcome mm. i i think that um you know the, the, uh, i'll say woman's intuition without wanting to sound sexist or anything with it but woman's intuition and often they are have a different level of intuit, intuition than men um, something that i notice in the design process is especially with when people are looking for real estate. So I'll have clients who are looking for real estate and then we know that we're probably going to end up altering it for them. But they may have not have bought yet. And they'll say, well, you come and have a look at this house and tell me what you think. We well, know it's not perfect. And a lot of it comes back to how does it feel? And I kind of believe in embodied energy with, you know, like how how places are. That's that's me. I go. But you'll get a woman who walks into a home and she'll mm-hmm. It's just nothing, something isn't right. And it could be grand, it could be beautifully finished, it could be whatever, but there'll be something that doesn't feel right. Men, you'll get it as well, but less likely maybe to verbalize it. And I think that it's a really interesting thing. And maybe you see this, I don't know, but whether you end up with multiple, you know, where, where you find a house that doesn't have a great energy, um, and then it sits on the market because of that. It, yeah. It, and, and and lots of people feel the same thing. Definitely.
1: And we're actually seeing, you know, that uh, play out in some cultural um, sectors that are coming to Mount Martha now. Like, we're getting a lot of um, the Chinese community coming down here. Yeah. And they bring their feng shui masters. And it's really yeah. fascinating to actually, delve into the um principles that you know create energy in a in a space Uh Mm. um yeah for some buyers it's just intuitive and then um for others you know they um
0: do need that expert guidance to actually yes um, inform them yes and i always think that most things can be fixed as well with that and so often you know, if a place doesn't have the right energy, it was you know, sometimes people end up with it by default or because it's the only choice they can they make and they don't realize it at the time, you know, the excitement of the bio, the excitement or the pressure of looking and trying to fulfill something. And then it's like, yeah, you know, something doesn't feel right about this, but what can we do that would make it feel right? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I find that's a, a really interesting. We, we love the environment, but we're not so the, the house doesn't feel right. You know, it would be a conversation that we get. And then it's like, so what can we do to it that will improve how it feels? And um, it's like, well, yeah, is it not function? Is it not what? But it's an emotional thing that you're solving, not necessarily a physical thing. You will solve it by doing something physically, but it's an emotional thing as well. And you must yeah, see all levels same. of
1: emotions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 We're definitely seeing that kind of buyer behavior in our marketplace um, because it's not like it is becoming an aspirational area Mm -hmm. um, where people, you know, they're moving down here, being attracted by the lifestyle. We've got incredible beaches. We've got, you know, the entire Mornington Peninsula on our doorstep with sixty-six wineries, world-class golf courses. So these people are, are coming here um, being attracted by all of those things and they are really aspirational yes they are really they're not looking to to just sit around no
0: they want to live they want to live Uh,
1: yeah exactly so they're engaging you know professionals like yourself to really elevate their living experience um, Mm -hmm. and you know contributing to the overall quality their experience of life
0: yeah yeah, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, we, we talked just briefly before the show and we, we were saying about how, um, you know, you're, with, with a house, you're creating more than shelter as such. And, you know, like we were saying with, um, say, an Airbnb, you're creating an experience. And people are looking for their houses, I find today, to deliver an experience over and above functionality, And I wanted to talk to you about, and especially from an area like that, and I know that you've just worked with um, Kate Walker, who's on the podcast and she created Biscayne, which has this amazing um, experience of living and what that kind of style as opposed to it. So as an immersing them into an experience and we, we do it with Airbnbs, you know, like we go to something that's really funky and cool or different. You know, it's got a Miami vibe, say, or it's got whatever because we want an experience. Um, and we do it with hotels like the Four Seasons and places like that where they give these experiences. And then the boutique hotel industry's done the same. The craft beer industry's done the same. Um, tell me about it with houses and how mm-hmm. you see that evolving and what it does for people.
1: Yeah, well, I'll just touch on, yeah, Kate is an amazing client, and that was just a dream listing to be involved in. And to your point, you know, you enter, even before you enter, you just know that there's something special at Biscayne. And that experience of actually being there and walking through the property, it literally was like being transported to a Floridian. Hotel, luxury hotel you know just the atmosphere the gardens the architecture the furnishings just all the of level the, of detail the detail just every single area that you look at and touch point um was yeah transporting you to a totally um different setting so
0: yeah that's um yep. When buyers experience or even, I shouldn't even say buyers, when people experience that, how does that, um, you know, when when you put something like that on the market? Because from a design point of view, a lot of people um, avoid polarizing things to having an experience feel. They want it to be vanilla enough that anybody could buy it and then put their stamp on it as such. Um, and in my thinking, what happens there is, is most people don't have the depth of knowledge to be able to put the kind of stamp on it that a professional like, say, Kate can do. And,
1: and that's uh, the distinction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: really. Um, if you're going to take a risk and create something that's beautiful and unique, you do have to execute to a really high standard. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, where we see... People that don't quite have that creative flair um, that try and pull off something um, like a big capital investment on a renovation and extension, um, yeah, it doesn't quite resonate with the market because it just doesn't have that that feel. And I know that's really hard to, you know.
0: It, it, but it is—it's a feeling, isn't it? It's yeah it, it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, uh, it's it's funny, you know. Like you could. It's not about spending necessarily masses of money. I I, I had somebody who asked me a little while back, they showed me a picture of an artist's loft and said, We want something like this. And I said, Hmm, I said, That loft, uh, we could, you know, do it, design something like that structurally for you very easily. That's a piece of cake. Um, but the way it's decorated, which after digging in was how they were, to, what they were really talking about. You know, there was a shell like a loft usually is. And then they were digging into all the, the things in it. And I said, that's an artist. You, you, you have to be an artist to be able to perform like an artist. So, you know, when they put their pair of Jimmy Choo shoes or whatever it is on the coffee table, like they're a piece of art, they are a piece of art. But you put your, you know, sandals up there and it's going to look like you left your shoes behind. And I'm, in the nicest possible way, we could curate it for you, but you couldn't touch anything and you couldn't put anything down because an, the artist has the artist's eye and to live like that's another thing. So we executed something well, different it's, for it's them. Kind of yeah, different. yeah. You know, d- there's so much deliberate action that goes... Um, and I know with projects like Biscayne, and there's plenty more projects like that out there, the finishes, like you look at the floors and the way the tiles are specially cut and the way things are put together, you know, you look at the, the, the wallpapers or the, you know, the sizes of the skirting boards versus the walls and, you know, where things, the heights of things, it's very, very curated from a design perspective. And that's why it feels so amazing a the structure and then the furnishings just dress that up mm. it's um I've, I find often as I say people are trying not to polarize and my experience with clients that we have done places that have polarized and then they've sold them they've always done better from it yeah, and rid that's, of people. Um,
1: yeah that's certainly consistent with my experience as well I think the biggest risk is just creating something that's homogeneous and. You know, people don't object to it, but they don't actually fall in love it's with nothing, it. Either. Nothing
0: to fall in love with. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's a, uh, I think that we've got uh, as, as the media has changed with Instagram and, um, you know, Facebook, Pinterest, you know, all these ty- kinds of um, things, what we're doing is, is we're being able to see so much more on tap. And then what happens is even that becomes homogenized. And then it's like this thing. So um, should you follow a trend, you know, and we don't, we, you'd think for the houses that you sell, there is very few that are on a trend. They are what they are. They stand alone in their own space. They're like great individuals that uh, people are drawn to. They've got their own charisma versus um, they look like something that's been, that we can find anywhere. And architecture, I've, I, I must say, I whilst I work in the industry, I find that I can go to Wyoming and find a house that I could find almost identical type of house here on the Sunshine Coast as I could find identically on the Mornington Peninsula, as I could find in Margaret River, as I could find in California, just with nuances, but we could just pick it up and put it, pick it up and put it, pick it up and put it. And that's the sadness of, Um, non-regional architecture that isn't driven from the region as much anymore. Um, But then these other properties that people do take the time to make experiences tend to stand out. I think that makes a big difference to them. Absolutely. And yeah, fortunately
1: with the evolution of our market here, we are seeing a lot more um, development in the space of custom responses to particular sites taking into account you know natural light views uh what's what are the weather patterns um how do we optimize indoor outdoor living all of those things are being considered now and it's really exciting to see some of the development that's going on on the mornington peninsula
0: um, to that elevated level now Mm. Mm. um tell me i've got a question for you which is uh, a a Far more personal question. In your own home, I'm gonna take you through a series of little questions because this is a little project I'm working on. In your own home, what's your favorite space? I love um,
1: our main lounge room. Um, It's got a really nice aspect. Our block um, is about 400 meters from Port Phillip Bay. Mm. And it's got a bit of elevation. And out the back, we face onto a creek. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the elevation and then the topography falling away, we've just got trees out the back. There's a little bit of a bay glimpse, mm-hmm. um, but it's just really like that back aspect, not looking at any fences um, from that room that I love. And, yeah, so, my favourite feature within that room is a uh, wood fire. Yeah. I love having that on in the winter time. Yeah. I can spend ages
0: just looking at that. It's very just, relaxing. Just, um, yeah, fire gazing, fire yeah. gazing. If, if you had to use a, an emotional word, one word to sum up how you feel when you're in that space, what would that word be? Very safe. Mm, all right, Cool.
1: Is there any uh consensus? Are you seeing any particular themes it's it,
0: um I've only done this with maybe okay. you know half a dozen people and I've had content I've had secure um and and their spaces will be different, like um I had somebody who said about their kitchen they felt love, and that was mm. because um delving into more into them was because they. For them, they love to cook to feed others. And it made them feel like they were abundant and giving. And so that, that was love to them. Yeah. And so I'm I'm delving into this side of um what's the emotion that a space brings up for somebody? And so, like in yours, where you just said to me, your main lounge, but what you described was was the elevation the trees, so that you, it took out the the fact that you were living amongst others, the fact that you had the creek and the bay view, yes, but wasn't the key thing. It gave you a long view, which possibly there'd be an emotion attached to that long view. If Is there one that you can think of? That Not it really. No? Right. Um, and then um, the fact that you can make it cozy um, makes it feel safe. All of that makes it feel safe. You're disconnected from anything else to some degree. I find um, the fire gazing part really interesting because most people would do that, and men possibly more than women. Um, it's just in our DNA more, um, going by Dr. P's there. Um, but that fire gazing part is it's almost meditative you know it's it's almost like a meditation even though it's not deliberate in that sense you Mm. you get to drift with it and then that gives you space and then that space obviously feels safe in that in that space you know there's no judgment there's no it's just you relaxing um and you could have said relaxing but safe is a different thing there you know yeah because you are relaxed Um, there but because you said that as well but then the one word was safe. So that's where it really interests me, you know. And Yeah, that's my little sanctuary there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure if your wife was here, I could say the same to her and she'd either have a different place and a different space, you know, and what that means to her. Um, that's And it perfect. might be the same, but it might have a different feeling to her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Definitely. And
1: it's interesting Um, you're referring to, you know, fire gazing as a... um. Male-driven yeah. um, attraction—you you can definitely feel it in you <laughs> prefrontal cortex. But that was the biggest sales pitch I had to do when building our house: was convincing my wife that we needed a, a fire yeah. In, yeah. in the home. So, yeah, yes. I got the win there, fortunately.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I bet she loves the win as well.
1: Yeah, you know, definitely. She it would, now
0: appreciates it. It would be seen as an expense at one point. And then all of a sudden you realize what it delivers to your life. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So tell me, um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is what are features that people are looking for in a home that they weren't, say, 10 years ago? What are they asking for now in this? And and you could even just, if you wanted, go from COVID on, um, because that really shifted I I said to quite a few people, you know, as much as we design all these beautiful homes, they weren't designed to be lived in all day by you humans. The cat wants them, but they don't want you there as well. But what are, what are some of those things? Because they are transient places often. We keep coming back, but we yeah. go, we come back, we go, we come back, we go. So tell me some stuff thats that you're seeing. And I don't want to say trending because it's not so much trending. It's just... As, a, as an environment and as things move forward, what's happening with that?
1: Yeah, uh, there's an obvious um, shift that's occurred during the pandemic um, for demanding in housing here. Um, and that would be, you know, people just want that private resort style amenity mm-hmm. and that level of luxury that you would experience going on a really nice, a uh, holiday to a five star hotel. And that, you know, means, you know, really elevated interior spaces, you know, beautiful materials in the kitchen, um, you know, all, every element of the interior um, executed to a really high standard, you know, outside they want to see big deck areas, a swimming pool, And properties that lend themselves to be able to um, have friends and family to come and experience those spaces with Mm. them—that's quite important.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, right. So, what did and and just for everybody listening, you know, around the world, um, where Sam's from is Victoria in in Australia. When I say he's not from there, that's where he lives, and. With that, they had the longest lockdowns through COVID than any other state or any other country in the world. Victoria was in the top two of lockdowns and um, controlling COVID. So people there experienced an awful lot of, I suppose, I want to say being locked up, of being restricted and controlled. And so the response that you are saying is that you know in their homes they went we're, we're stuck here so we're, we're not stuck here we're here so let's make it more of a resort absolutely and, and yeah we were stuck
1: in our houses we we're allowed out for an hour a day during the <laughs> only harvest. for about
0: 300 days <laughs> no, yeah it was uh, a long time it wasn't 300 but it was a long time mean, it was 200 and something wasn't it it, it was, was so. yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah it was um, definitely a inflection point as a collective and yeah the result of that has really been you know people have valued their home and their sanctuaries a a whole lot more Mm. um we've seen that with a massive construction boom here in melbourne oh
0: globally globally in first world countries yeah 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 it's Um, a pretty common um response interestingly because globally like whether it's america or england or wherever the same response has happened um, mm. And we're very fortunate here in Australia that the outdoors is just you know straight out the back door more cases than not. Um, there's plenty of outdoor opportunity. But when you were describing your being in your lounge and looking out across the lawn and stuff like that, I go so that connection to nature was right with you. Um, and and that varies, you know, if you're obviously an apartment dweller or something, that varies. Um, but in the case of this, that again gave you a sense of connection and safety, and that's what people coming to your area are looking for.
1: Absolutely, and I mean, anecdotally, you know, during those stages of being locked down, but then, you know, restrictions easing slightly so people would actually come and look at houses. We were having some really, you know, deep, discussions with buyers that were in, you know, one-bedroom apartments in the city without a balcony and, you know, it's was causing them depression and mm-hmm. mental illness issues and, you know, they were really just wanting to escape and, you know, not just exist but, you know, live a good quality life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, fortunately for quite a few people that we dealt with at that time, that was just the fork in the mm-hmm. road that made them choose to come and live down here and i'll run into those people at the coffee shop and you know it's so rewarding that you know they're happy they're loving life down here and it's been quite transformative
0: i think that's a great thing and one of the other things that's great although we never really designed houses to be classrooms and offices for you know two two people working and you know trying to homeschool you know two or more children at a time um, Again, houses were inadequately thought of for that because we sent our kids out to school and maybe not in the country so much. There might have been a bit more correspondence and stuff. But then you would have been outside working on a farm or something, not trying to run an office inside your house and run an office, uh, you know, maybe your wife or your partner trying to run an office in there as well um, and wrangle everything. I, I mean, I certainly experienced it myself. Um, so I went to the office on my own, um, <laughs> great supportive husband here. Um, are you going to be able to focus doing the work that you do? Well, everybody does, you know, and this was yeah, the thing. It, it's like, absolutely. and I, I know I did quite a few articles throughout that time as well, just on, um, what can you do if you're in an apartment to a biophilic design? So indoor planting and things like that also making a transition from, you know, your bed to your, to your workspace, setting up a workspace that would empower you. Um, And even if that meant shifting furniture around on a daily basis, that it was worth doing so that you didn't end up in a state of depression, Um, you know, and, and, you know, not having the TV going while you're working these kinds of things don't use, you know, sort of weekend habits on, um, weekdays, you know, getting like you said before about being motivated to go out and, and monitor your time and um, you know, a dollar productive um task. I love that, <laughs> but that thing of that because a lot of people were caught without that, and then there's a lot of people in chaos with, you know, kids home, um, and that they're, they're not used to parenting, and the kids certainly aren't used to being parented twenty four seven, and also by both of you when you're in the house. Um, you know, <laughs> there's differences. Well, there between a pressure cooker period, <laughs> and I definitely could have used those articles at the time. So i kind of back in revisit. <laughs> oh, that was one of the things that I've noticed that's um happened a lot more since uh the pandemic is biophilic designers. It was if you looked at trends, mm. we knew it was coming anyway because the 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 strength of the mid-century modern trend, which, you know, we it's really from the 1930s on, but it did have a lot of organic nature to it and indoor planting and things like that. And there was a piece there where we lost a lot of that in our housing. And you, you remember the old houses where you used, not old, old houses, but 70s houses and stuff. And you'd walk in and there'd be a staircase and there'd be a garden planted underneath it, you know, or a pool. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, my grandmother had about 150 plants in her yep. place. So exactly. Absolutely. And then with the studies, I think biophilic design really kicked off as a terminology in about 86 Um, that it was discovered and it's gone from there but they discovered you know that it created better cognitive responses it certainly meant in classrooms kids did better Um, and then uh, these kinds of things are proven things about it so when we were doing articles on it I was saying you know these are things that are proven about your environment and we saw a lot happen with people um, our clients saying yeah well you know we weren't locked down, by the way, hardly at all. Like I went to the beach just about every day still. So we didn't experience it like you did, but my clients still were like all working from home where they used to go to offices. And they were like saying to me, so how can we make this better? What can we do? I'd say, buy a better chair, you know, buy yourself something that you like sitting in all day. Put some things around you that are meaningful to you. Put a plant in here, you know, and um, those kinds of things. And so now we're seeing, I'm seeing uh, people uh, having dedicated office spaces rather than it just being a spare room or a, they're saying, you know, this is the place that makes the the money that pays for everything in our life. So is there a room, it, room? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely seeing demand for that we're, as well. We're seeing also like if there's a beautiful sea view or something like this, where that office will take in that view, just like a main um, Sweetwood, as well as a living room and stuff, they're saying, Well, how come the office X? Because I'm going to be in there a fair bit of the day.
1: Absolutely. High priority space,
0: mm. particularly
1: as you say, you know, if you're sitting there earning the income to
0: pay for the asset, then it makes sense to be inspired and do good quality work. Yeah, 100%, because as I say, it returns to the asset. Mm. Hey, fascinating chat. Um, I really loved going through that piece where you came up with safe. Thank you. Uh, it, it, it was really cool because it was, I haven't asked as many men as I've asked women. And um, it's an interesting thing because of the analytics that you added to it so quickly which i think is a male dominant trait as well too absolutely to, yeah i felt like i should have been sitting back on freud's couch uh, on freud's couch yeah well i did have one lady say to me we haven't released the podcast yet she said i feel like i've just been to therapy <laughs> um it does and the, feel therapeutic. Yeah, exactly well it does because you go into a space and then how do you make a house therapeutic is, is really the bigger thing of that. And how do you get your clients to connect with that? And even you're in the selling mode, the designing mode, but how do you get that? How do you create the emotional um, floor plan of that house for people and how will it deliver it back? I think it's really important. That's and right. then my favorite line is still the dollar productive task.
1: Thank just... you. You've given me a few gems. So there's one in <laughs> return.
0: Oh, I just love that. I, I and also your journey of you know being being a salesperson but knowing that to be a salesperson you have to empathize and you have to hold high integrity and nobody nobody minds being sold to by somebody even if they can see that it's a sale when it comes with integrity and authenticity absolutely and And yeah I think a big part of our craft is you know, asking good questions,
1: but then just being really willing to listen and focus on the answers. Um yeah, that's yeah. definitely a big part of you know, giving good guidance and
0: providing good quality mm. advice. Yeah, what whilst it's about the sale, it's not, it's about the people and making sure that they're matched.
1: Absolutely.
0: That that's the that's the key to it. And if they aren't matched perfectly. Knowing that they can that that can be adjusted or altered to make it match better for them. Mm. Absolutely, you must have a fascinating network.
2: Yeah,
1: it's um quite eclectic. I yeah. enjoy um you know chatting to people on the airplane. I recently flew up to Rockhampton, and I just by pure coincidence sat next to Jason Day's older sister and struck up a good conversation with her about you know sport golf yeah um, you know I, I just love meeting different people from different backgrounds and yeah, forming mm. those connections yeah um, but yeah Mount Martha is such an inspiring place to work as well because of
0: the people yeah um, I'll have to come know. and visit next time I'm in Melbourne yes please come I'd on Love down. to love to come down and just sure. m- mosey in on a few open homes
1: yes please i'm sure kate would love to catch up as well yeah
0: exactly that would be fun we could drink negroni somewhere
1: Kate, count me in on that.
0: yeah kate you better be listening we're booking you in baby (laughs) hey sam that was fantastic man thank you so much for your time and your insights really valuable and for designers out there i'm sure they'll take lots from it if they've got if you're listening and you've got questions and you'd like to know more about something, we're obviously gonna put all Sam's details in there, but write in to me. If you write into to me and say, hey, we'd love to know more about this from Sam, we'll put you in touch with Sam and he can take you through his journey with what, what's available in the area or how he can better support you in some way. And if there's things that you hated about it, tell us that too. We always wanna know that uh, so that we don't do it twice. Um, So, Sam, thanks for making time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Adrian. Much appreciated. Cheers, buddy.
2: Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like, imagine if you had some hot ch- chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you, see if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.